you know what? Um, this message this morning is the last one for the month. We're looking at uh, dreams and visions. We started the month with our dreams and visions service. And our theme of by faith, which we are wanting to reiterate, can be substituted as a line of thinking of proximity to God. And so, again, the story with the adventure during the week, it's like God was present. God is present. God's present with you in your life. And uh, so today we're looking at uh, it's better to serve than be served, Jesus' words. And it's like, what does that actually look like? And I, um, so I've got um, some thoughts that I pulled out of Matthew chapter 20, where I look at the story where the sons of Zebedee's mum, so their mother, comes to Jesus with a request. We're going to read it in a moment, but we'll get to that. But I want to start by saying this. It's only the last few hundred years that we've lived in a period of history where people who are smarter than me have been able to develop antidotes, anti-venom, for things like snake bites and spider bites and other things that are toxic to us. I want you to say the word toxic. Okay, so um, snake bites, I think I stand corrected if anyone here is a microbiologist or whatever discipline you need to make a statement. They actually have a neurotoxin in them and uh, they are not good for us. The smart people have worked out that they, there's an antidote to that. And I was thinking about the fact, who, who started the thinking about antidotes? And I want to tell you that his name's Jesus. He talks about antidotes to all sorts of toxins in the Bible. Not snake bites, well, even that, you know, the story of Paul shaking off a viper and nothing happening to him. Why? Because he had the architect of anti-venom with him. So there's things that are toxic to us. Like a snake's not toxic to us until it bites us. So who likes snakes here? There must be somebody who actually likes snakes, okay? There's a couple of, couple of hands. No, actually, there's only one hand plus John. Was that yes, you do? I don't mind. Okay. I mean, I don't mind looking at a snake when it's quite a ways away, but um, I wouldn't like a snake once it had bitten me. So, okay, don't even open that hornet's nest, John. Just keep your comments to yourself down there. Um, jeepers. All righty. So the snake's not bad until it's, it bites you. So Tegan mentioned ambition isn't bad until it bites you. Wanting something to happen is not bad in and of itself, but it can contain a toxin that can poison you and eventually lead you to a place of fruitlessness and ultimately switch you off altogether. And so Jesus deals with a request that seems a little innocent on the surface from this mum. Let's read it for him. We're in Matthew chapter 20. The mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favour of him. So she hasn't come in arrogantly, she hasn't come in demand, she's come in in humility, kneeling before Jesus. And she says, and listen to this question, and verse 21, what is it you want? I sat and meditated on that little verse for a moment and realised he asks each one of us that question possibly every day. Bruce, what is it you want? And so this mother's emboldened by Jesus' invitation to share what's on her mind. She said, grant, 
that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. And here's the punchline. You do not know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And the two young fellows, don't know how old they were at this point in the story, boldly, full of faith maybe, full of enthusiasm. We've got the king of kings with us. Jesus is our friend. They just willingly coughed up these words, we can. And I go back to the previous statement he just made. You don't know what you're asking for. And so we have this funny little story, and we'll keep reading. It's got, all, it's got so much in it. And Jesus said to them, well, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my Father. How amazing is that? That's basically saying that performance has got nothing to do with it. How well you do life doesn't reflect on how happy God is with you. He loves you because of his gracious goodness. His character is what determines that he loves me, not my willingness to obey him, be a good little Brucey boy, um, just do all the things that good Christian people do or should do. It's like, is that making God happier today? If I'm getting out of bed with this want, I want God to be happy with me and then start doing all sorts of things to try and achieve that outcome, I've been bitten by a toxin um, of sorts. Um, so when the 10 heard this about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said this, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. Take note of that verse, 25 that was. Just We're going to come back to that a little bit. Um, not so with you. I want you to say, not so with me, out loud. Not so with me. There's a choice right here that Jesus is saying we've got to make. We've got to make a decision, and we'll unpack what that is in a moment. Whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Ooh, I don't like that sound like that word. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this message is going to unpack what I would loosely call the complexity of friendship, the complexity of community, the complexity of being in relationship with people. And uh, we live our whole life in relationship, whether they're good or bad, to some extent up to us, even if we've been treated badly, how we handle relationships in our context is to a large degree determined by what we choose to do and not to do. So one of the problems we encounter in doing life with people in community, in social structures, traditions, sorry, is that there are social structures, traditions and rules, written and unwritten, of engagement. We all, we all obey them, or comply with them, or complain about them, or put up with them, but it, whatever your response to a certain social context is, whatever it is, you interact with it. 
We've got an institution called marriage. Conducted a marriage here on Friday. It was wonderful. Callie and Brad got married. They were a happy little campus. It's a tradition. Yes, give them a hand. It's very good. Within that, the formalities of what's said there, there's a, a line about the sort of the purpose of marriage that it, it's not to be entered into lightly and it's not to be, and it is to be honoured by all. So we have these, well, they're called institutions. There's these, these rules of engagement of how we're meant to live life together. So one of the big issues, though, in our Western world that attracts a lot of attention, especially in academic circles of late, is the issue of so-called advantage or disadvantage. And depending on uh, just how much you want to dive into that rabbit hole, um, there's a lot of research on it, there's a lot of opinions about it, there's a whole lot of stuff that's connected to what is advantage. Like some people are of the view, for example, that inherited wealth is an undeserved advantage. And so they're advocating death taxes there should be no passing on wealth from one generation to the next because that creates an unlevel playing field. There are people in powerful positions on planet Earth dead set to take your family's wealth from you and give it to the community because it's unfair. I mean, we've got these, all these things going on, so I'm just saying that's kind of... Well, let's go back to what is that. That is this. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles... Lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. We're all operating within a context that is of this world. And we're not of this world, but in it. So we've got to learn the rules of engagement, but we don't have to always follow them. Okay, and Jesus has got the anti-venom to all this stuff at the end of this little story. It's absolutely remarkable. I love this story. Um, so the term, for example, white male privilege, a la me. Anyone heard that? You must have been sleeping somewhere if you hadn't. It's like, it's male, white privilege. Or, you know, it, it's, it comes out of that space. So social justice, in all its forms, at the outset is attempting to change a social structure or the rules around that which is seen to be unfair or unjust. And I go, well, I'm pretty much into that. Big time. I want things to be fair. I want things to be just. I want it to be a world that's giving lots of people who are currently not able to do lots of things because of poverty or um, disease. Or It's like, but what the world tries to do is all caught up in lording over and exercising authority. And Jesus is having none of it. That is not the answer. It's not to say those things like the snake. Snake's not bad, and the rules and all of the social structures that we live within are not of themselves bad, but they can bite you. You can get bitten by ambition. You can get bitten by lots of the things that Tegan mentioned. Perfect segue into this mention, Tegan. It's like you can get bitten by whether people like you and spend your whole life striving. Changing the clothes you wear, the makeup you wear. I've got it on this morning. You, ch you change, change the way you speak. You might even drop a bunch of friends and pick up new ones because you're striving, striving, striving to be liked. And God's going, Bruce, what are you wasting your time on that for? I've got the perfect antidote. This thing that's poisoned you, and I don't know what's poisoned you, 
Maybe you've been poisoned by disappointment. Maybe you've been poisoned by church. Something happened in church or a family for you connected to a church somewhere and it's poisoned you. You're kind of like, is church bad? No, I think church is awesome. But if it's bitten you, it's like, whew, that thing's poisonous. You go, what's the anti-venom? Well, ironically, Jesus is. Um, he, he is the one. But it's not just Jesus. It's this incredible little gift he gives to us in these last two verses of this little part of Scripture. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So let me just summarise a few thoughts here for us. So in this text we have just read, there are social interactions outlined. A request for a social standing. What have you encountered in your life in that space? I couldn't. I had to think of something a little bit funny, a little light. And I remember in our families, the kids were growing up, we, we go, you know, when we go to the shops or off to basketball or go somewhere, and there would be a flurry of activity towards the front door until someone shouted, shotgun! It's like somebody in the family, if we've got three kids, one of them was climbing the passenger seat in the, in the, at the front in the car. Shotgun. You've heard that, right? Yeah. See, <laughs> still, still happens, right? Are you the loudest one? No, hate us. Not. But we do all manner of things that are socially structured. I mentioned to the Zevenbergers the way I'm going to mention them this morning. They are even more poorly than I am. I'm a Williams. So when many, many things, especially at school in my era, were arranged for anything to happen sequentially, it was alphabetical. Guess who got the crumbs off the table? (laughs) But as Samuel said on the way in, sometimes some very, very socially justice-minded teachers reversed order now and then just to give us stragglers a chance to have a, a go at being first. For those of you with names like Beattie, you've got no idea what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> or unless they've rearranged the class anyway. Um, but you think about it, there are all sorts of things that order where you fit. Your age, your gender. That's a topic of discussion that's more complicated than it should be, but that's another story for another day. Um, It's like how much money you've got, what sort of car you drive, where you live, what you do for a job. One of the fastest ways to kill a conversation in the front bar of a pub is to say you're a pastor. (laughs) It's like remarkable people stop mid-sentence, you're what? (laughs) But you could say whatever you are, You, you might be, anyway, you get my drift. So there are rules that have fashioned where you fit. And Jesus is wanting us to not um, be of this. We're in it. We've got an ability to choose to live within that framework differently than everybody else. And we'll get to the crunch line in a minute again. You look at the story and read back through it again. Jesus' response to the mother's request is totally blunt. 
It's just a, you don't know what you're asking for. And oftentimes we can want to be somebody else, have what they've got, be what they are, do what they do. And so there's a, and, and it's not just, a, a, it's not talking about envy in that sense of the word. It's, it's just this sense of, well, that's my, I, I want to be like that. And Jesus' response to that might have been to you already. You don't know what you're asking for. And what he's saying is, whatever it is you've got your eye on, understand it comes at a price. It comes at a price to be that, which you may have no clue about. And so he's just highlighting the fact the request's not unreasonable, except you've got no clue what it's going to cost you, Bruce. I want to do this, 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 and this. And Jesus couldn't say back to me, Bruce, you don't know what you're asking for. On the cross, Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were killing him. So that's not what his point of his statement. He said, they don't know what they're doing. Um, forgive them for killing him. But what they didn't know what they were doing was opening up the heavens to anybody who would believe. Yeah. Forgive them for killing me. Yes, but they don't know what they're doing. We're about to set an atomic bomb off in the universe called grace through the blood of Jesus for anybody who comes to him to find freedom. So sometimes we've got our eye on something and maybe we can look at that positive. You don't know what you're asking for. And it's like you get all these benefits and there's all these things that happen that are a blessing to other people because you've, gone, you've asked to do this and it's like Jesus is bluntly saying, you don't know what you're asking for, but he's got this little sticker. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. Well, what would that be? What would the thing that we could do that would do that? We'll finish with that in a moment. So every social standing or position or change in position comes at a price to someone. Not always evident at the time. It's kind of, it's not, it's the, the phrase is a zero-sum game. It's kind of like if you get to go there, someone's, somebody, oftentimes it's you, is going to pay the price for you to stay there. There's a statement that I've heard many times that some people are educated beyond their character level. In other words, they got education, qualification. Is that right? And so they're smart and they get to places where their character can't sustain them. It's not because they're not skilled. It's not because they're not clever. Their character's corrupt. That's why big people in important positions of power and authority crash and burn. It's not because they don't know what they're doing. It's because their character has got a little or a big chunk in it. You don't know what you're asking for. I want to be the Prime Minister. You don't know what you're asking for. I want to be this. You don't know what you're asking for. I want to be a doctor. You've got no idea what you're asking for. Because you don't at the outset. You want to be a pastor. You've got no idea what you're asking for. You want to be a mum or a dad. you actually got no clue what you're asking for. <laughs> Unbelievable blessing. But man, parenting can be the most soul-destroying wreck your whole sense of who you are and what, what life's about because of just being human. We've got the massive highs, we've got the massive lows. Was that an encouraging word over there? Thank you, Jesus. 
But Jesus has got this antidote and this great, I use the word, I love this word, I kind of like to put it where I could anywhere these days, the great disruptor of the social order. You can be a great disruptor of the social order in the Adelaide Hills. You can be a great disruptor of the social order in your family if it's a little bit cockeyed. You can be the great disruptor of the social order in your workplace. How? What's going to actually unlock it and what's going to change it for the better and what people who are, let's just loosely say Gentiles, people who don't connect with the kingdom of God, don't get this. It's better to serve than to be served. Just get into servant mode. Get into the mode of serving. One of the things that can help some people who have some forms of depression and anxiety can be a suggestion, a strong, like even a therapeutic suggestion, go and volunteer somewhere. Go and find someone to serve because serving opens up what nothing else will. Serving is a great disruptor. If you want to disrupt something and be a little bit mischievous but have a positive outcome, serve. Do a social experiment. If you're stuck in a sports club that's kind of got a bit of an all-in brawl going on in the thing, because that happens regularly, maybe you're in a church, not this one, but maybe you're in a scenario that's, that's got a little bit of... It's like, see whether you can bust that sucker up by serving and suggesting, hey, why don't we go and do something? Let's go and knock on some neighbours' doors and mow some lawns or cut down some trees, if you can do that. Um, I mean, legally. And... Uh, <laughs> got to be careful up here because that can lead you to all sorts of trouble. Um, But you're getting my drift. And then I'll finish with this thought. This popped into me as well. So if Jesus is saying the Son of Man has come to serve and not be served, guess where by faith is? In other words, where are you going to find Jesus this week? Where's he likely to be? He's going to be walking with the people who are serving. He's going to be walking with random Rachels, walking through a food hall, and she's just there to, we're just here to serve. How did she serve and her family? Sound like they prayed. That's a pretty good servant. If you want to experience peace this week, it's like, oh, I'm going to go into the prayer closet for a few hours. I'm going to seek Jesus. It's going to be quiet. I'm going to put on my favorite music. Oh, it's going to be so good. And that could happen. But it could also happen by actually just walking with the Prince of Peace into a war zone. The storm on the lake with Jesus didn't rob him of his peace. If you're in the middle of a storm today, Decide to serve. Don't go, oh, woe is me. The world sucks. I'm not enjoying myself. This has to be this hard God. We've all had those conversations. Well, I have. I don't want to do this anymore. I've had those conversations. I'm over it, God. And maybe he's a bit like he was with the woman, blunt. You know what you're asking for. Don't ask me to say, is it all over or give up or quit or whatever. Just get off your tail, Bruce, and go and help somebody. Be a helper. If you don't like the word servant or slave, just change it all around and get your head into the space. I'm a helper. I help people. Everything I do, I help people. So why don't we stand to our feet? That's kind of the message in a nutshell. Get your eyes on helping. 
and I reckon you'll get your eyes on some miracles. You'll get your heart wrapped up in grace and mercy and love and peace. How good is our God? Let me pray we come to an end this morning. Father, we are so excited to be living in your kingdom here and now. Lord, we are in this world, but we are not of it. I pray that you'd help every one of us, Lord, this week walk by faith. Lord, that we'd be confident that we're walking with you. And Lord, that when we see something that needs help, we will do it. And Lord, that we would experience the miracle working power of your kingdom in those very moments. And so I pray your blessing, Father, over every one of us. We'd have just a moment, like an aha moment this week, where we recall something from this message this morning, you know, that's what Pastor Bruce was talking about. And it just happened, or I just did it, or I just experienced it, and a miracle has or is going to happen. So Father, watch over every family. Lord, I pray for anyone this morning who is really limping through life, either literally or figuratively, to receive a miracle in this service. Thank you, God. Lord, we pray for Rosalie this morning. She's in church with a bit of assistance, Lord, and damage to her knee. We pray, Father, for the healing power of Jesus to come on her. Thank you, Lord, that faith would rise up in us and that Jesus would be really close.
And so each one of us needs to have an engagement moment with him and a moment where we actually acknowledge he, A, exists, and B, that we believe Jesus is his son. And then we can talk about that he died on the cross for our sin and all that. That's, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's connected to that. But believing Jesus is the son of God is the first step towards you being what the term saved. It's, it's actually coming out of the world, even though you're in the world, but you're not in this world to live in it. Um, we live in another place called the kingdom of God. And you can come into that space this morning, online or here in the meeting. If that's something that makes sense to you, and you go, I want to be, I want to do that. And you've never prayed a prayer to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We can pray that right now. But I need you to sit down and say, that's me, Bruce. Would you lead me in that prayer? And I can, we can, we'll pray together. If that's you this morning, give me a big wave and say, that's me, Pastor Bruce. If you're online, I can't see your hand, obviously. You need to email us, drop us a little note to say, I found the prayer on the website. I prayed that prayer this morning and Jesus is coming to my life. Email us and tell us you've done that and uh, we'll connect with you and help you on your journey. If you're living a long way from the Adelaide Hills, somewhere else in the world, we'll help you find a church to plant yourself in because that's your need to do. So Father, just be with us as we head out into the week. Good coffee, good fellowship, good conversations, good days. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap offering. We'll sing this last song together.